Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. This audio edition is created in conjunction with partners as part of our Market Voice series. Well, here's a fair question. Why did the strategy director at Accenture Strategy leave the global giant to run a boutique firm blending the best of consulting and agency models at fledgling Australian holding company Ryancap? Sten de Vrent did just that a few months back. He's now Managing Director at Tightrope, positioned just below the big end of consulting and strategy advisors like Bain, McKinsey, Accenture, and the big four audit and consulting firms who are too big and perhaps too expensive for mature mid-tier companies grappling with business transformation programs and high-growth scale-up companies needing to get to the next level but lacking the internal horsepower to get there. Tightrope itself sits in Ryan Cap's portfolio of companies alongside Conrad Spilver's Shadow Boxer, which focuses on new ventures. Sten is already tapping some of the frustration that exists in the established top-tier consulting firms from super smart people limited in their scope to have real impact with client programs they might be working on. So what exactly does Tightrope do and what are Sten's plans for the business in the next couple of years? We're about to find out. Uh, so welcome, Sten. And so to the question posed at the top of this podcast, why did you leave Accenture Strategy? It's doing some pretty interesting, broad and deep transformation work for blue chips. It must be a fairly stimulating environment. There must be a really good reason why you left. And welcome, by the way. Thanks for having me, Paul, and great to be on the podcast. I think you've summed it up quite well. I think for me, it was 90% opportunity and 10% frustration. So I think there was that that component of in, the, in those bigger companies, the impact you end up having with the, the ASX biggest companies is quite limited in the individual consulting engagements versus some of the work you can do for these mid-tier clients, working with founders and passionate owners of businesses. It's really what drives most consultants, right? Like you want to have an impact. So when the opportunity arose to work with, with Simon and, and Conrad to um, build up something new, I just jumped to the opportunity. It's a it's an opportunity to build a new type of consultancy with its own sort of distinct culture who will operate quite differently to big consulting. And I think will go after its own niche of customers as well. Like I think I see us competing in maybe 10% of our work, but the majority I see is there's a big opportunity space. So I had a great experience at Accenture and we did do some very impactful, massive transformation work for those big companies. But yeah, I think I'm, I'm very passionate to help those, those mid-tier customers with their growth journey and, and help them scale sustainably. Just out of curiosity, Sten, what comprises some of those big transformation programs that you were working on at Accenture and beyond and those sort of tier one firms? What sort of work are you doing there strategically? How are you engaged and where does it start and stop? Yeah, so traditionally, it's a very broad range of, of topics and services that are provided. So I've done work helping large organizations drive costs out from their PLs. So really identify where there might be a bit of fat in the organization, as you call it, where there's opportunities to digitize, to automate parts of the organization, really leveraging the potential of digital, but then also doing lots of growth work. So really working with, with C-suite leaders to identify where they're going to find the next $100 million of growth and working with their teams to build out a roadmap to achieve that. I think the 
the pace of change is always a bit slower with those bigger organizations. And even at Accenture, we're sort of playing with top household brands like the big four banks, the big telcos, et cetera, but then also sort of the, the layer just underneath that where we did do a lot of impactful work with where you make a lot of high speed impact for these type of organizations because they only have two or three big problems to solve. So as a consultant, you can come in and really help them out quickly versus the biggest organization. Like it's struggling to capture the attention of the of the C-suite, I would say. Like there's so many pain points that they're looking at. The attention span of leadership is very short. So right. it, it's quite complex to have an impact. And I think there's also a sweet spot. Like I think that's where the MBB McKinsey, Bain, BCG still have that relationship network as well. So I'm not saying anything that's untrue if I say that sort of the Deloitte's and Accenture's are just playing just right below that and have to sort of usually come in after the high level strategy has been set by those top tier strategy houses to then transform it and sort of help the businesses go on the journey of realizing the change. So yeah, McKinsey might say like there's an opportunity to grow with 30% and then an Accenture or Deloitte will come in and make that really concrete with transformation programs and setting those up and help run those. Got it. And so, you know, I hear I hear the talk all the time that many of these projects from the top tier firms, they're fairly robust, they're they're broad, they're sweeping, but sometimes they end up in the bottom drawer. Is that true? From your did you see any of that? It's interesting, obviously, like these are huge organizations who as I said, we'll have multiple, let's say, paths running at the same time. There's prioritization of initiatives. So yes, sometimes the work you do then gets deprioritized. There's a shift in focus, a shift in, in direction. And that might mean that work that has been done in the past is paused, is put on hold. Usually also like when you read the news, there's a lot of um, leadership changes in these big organizations and usually new leaders come in with new visions as well. So that's that's usually a point where a lot of work gets paused and and reprioritized. So I've yeah I've definitely had my fair share of work like that. <laughs> so you do talk about tightrope being a different way of doing consulting. Break that down. What does that mean? What does it look like? Yeah. So I think it's a multitude of ways. So first of all, it's it's about that client. So we've touched on that a bit. I think we we really want to position ourselves for two groups of clients in that mid tier space. So first of all. It's about the high growth companies. So businesses who are no longer a startup, they're a scale up. Their teams have grown rapidly. They've been very successful in what they're doing for the last couple of years. They're well-funded and now they need to get really serious as an organization. So they need to, at one angle, identify where the next horizon of growth is going to be able to come from. But at the same time, they need to set up their organization in a way that they can achieve that in a sustainable way. So things like thinking about your operating model and your organizational design, it's usually something that a startup doesn't have to worry about because you can manage the 30, 40 people that you've got quite effectively with a small leadership team. As these companies grow to a hundred plus employees, it becomes something that usually they sort of grapple a bit with of like, we're a serious business now. How do we set ourselves up? What's the next horizon of growth? How do I build up the right capabilities in my organization to then go after that? So that's the first group. The second group is is really building on from that being successful in the digital era, the digital economy. There's still a lot of very well-performing Australian businesses who are catching up. So a lot of retailers who've built up their success in a brick and mortar store model who are still investing in digital and yet to see the results from that. So we're seeing a lot of demand from those type of businesses who are being disrupted or who see new entrants coming in who are digital native, who don't have a store network, who just 
sell the same products online and are very good at that. So there's plenty of examples of retailers who, who hardly have any sales through a digital channel at the moment. So we will help those as well to navigate that, to make sure that that experience in the store can be replicated online and that they work hand in hand, that they don't have to cannibalize each other, but that they sort of enforce each other. So to recap, sort of going after high growth digital native businesses, let's call them the disruptors and helping them scale. And then secondly, helping the disrupted, let's say, um, to, to continue thriving as well and, and really ride that digital wave to continue their growth journey and not get completely disrupted. And so what's in your suite of services and capabilities that helps them do that? Are you advisory only? Do you, I think you talked about having a studio and a design studio. So just talk us through what the capabilities there are. So the, the idea is that we, we don't just stop at the strategy. So there's obviously the upfront bit of doing the analysis, understanding the current business, looking at the market, identifying opportunities, shaping those opportunities and, and developing a compelling business case that a leadership team can look at and say, yes, this is something that we should go for. That's, that's typical strategy work. And that's usually where that ends a flashy PowerPoint pack with some ideas. What Tightrope really wants to do is just help organizations take the next step. So bring those ideas to life through concept design. So that's where the, the studio concept really comes in and where we'll get design capability and, and visual, visual designers and a bit of creative capability to be able to show what could that online experience look like? What could that digital product look like? Develop some prototypes for apps that you can actually put in front of a customer. So a key component where IDs die is when you put them in front of a customer and the customer interacts with it and actually says, well, this is not useful or not in this way. So we, we want to go beyond strategy and develop prototypes, test those with customers, learn from those, and then help a client get ready to actually scale those ideas and implement. And that's probably sort of where, where it stops. So helping them identify what are the capabilities, whether it's data, technology, and really map that out for them. In a, in a clear and concise, let's say, a roadmap to give them a path that they can follow towards realizing those, those growth ambitions. And in terms of, you know, we talk a lot, we hear a lot about digital transformation and so forth. How far down the food chain do you go in terms of technology platforms, at least advisory services and or implementation? How far do you go? I say that because obviously some of the big consulting firms have advisory teams, but they also have implementation teams and they've got alliances with some of the big technology players, whether it be Adobe through to, you know, ServiceNow to Microsoft, you name it, Google, etc. So do you sit there as well? Yeah, that's a good question, Paul. I think there's actually a lot of value, I think, in, in being independent in that sense. So no, we won't go into the implementation stage. What we really want to help clients with is that independent view of where should we go and how can we achieve that? So I think when we look at technology, the expertise that we want to build up is really, let's call them strategists at the technology side who can look at the problem and provide an answer to a client on what the capabilities are that they need to invest in, and then can give them a spectrum of capability and say like, look, if there's a few vendors who solve this problem, here are some of the pros and cons. So help them with that assessment of which way to go, but then not, not go further than that. So we're not going to implement digital transformation. We do want to be partners to our clients and help them not just with here's where you should go, but actually stick around a bit during that transformation and making sure that the, the outcomes that were set out to be delivered are delivered. So whether that's in a, in a, in a concept of sort of strategic project management, helping the clients work with those implementation partners and software vendors, 
I don't want to call it project management because it's more than following up milestones. It's really making sure that the outcome that was set out to achieve is being delivered. In your experience and observation, and this is not referring necessarily to Accenture strategy, but across your career, how do some of these implementation programs go on the ground versus what it looks like in a, in a deck and a strategy document? Is it as easy to transition? I hear lots of lots of stories, war stories, you know, of, of how difficult sometimes to do this stuff is beyond the words on a paper saying, do this and do it this way. What happens in your experience there? I think one of the key success factors for me when I've seen it done really well is the client buy-in. So I think you, clients can't just rely on consultants to fix all the problems, have the answers. So it's it's really that collaboration and we want to bring that into the strategy design. So we're not coming in with out-of-the-box solutions or recommendations that we've seen that work somewhere else in the world. We will inspire and bring examples to leadership teams, but work with them to co-create what they want. Because when you get that buy-in, then they're motivated and, and passionate about what could be achieved. And that's a key ingredient. And that goes from the strategy to the implementation. Like I've seen some implementations fail where a client is more looking to the consultant to fix everything. And it, if it doesn't go well, it's always like the consultant's fault or the other way around as well, where a client's very, very passionate and wants to do most of the things themselves and don't leverage the consultant to its full potential. So there's a bit of both. And yeah, it, it's always up to the client, I think, to create that good collaboration model, definitely if there's multiple partners involved. But nowadays, I think, yeah, there, there's no there's no hard feelings between consultants. I think the market is pretty big for everyone to have a a profitable business and I've been on on clients where most of the most of the big consultancy houses had some work ongoing and and partner happily across big programs of work so it's not as bad as as you think it is yeah well the interesting thing too I there's an interesting stat probably read it about a year ago which suggested that Australian corporates and government are among I think the top one or two biggest spenders on consulting in the world so there's a good sort of opportunity for you there because we like consultants I'm not sure why that is do you think that's because we're a smaller market without the ability for companies to have all the capabilities internally or what's going on there do you think yeah I think it's it's two two reasons so the first one is the one you touch on is that I think organizations with a lot of cost pressures have scaled down some of the capability in the organizations and have strategically chosen to partner, which I think is, is great because organizations need to focus on their core business and identify components of the work that they do, which is non-core, which you partner for. So there's a lot of that going on. I think the second pull towards consultants is that Australia always wants to look outwards as well. With being an island, it's good to have influences from all over the world, what's happening in the US, in Asia, in Europe. And typically consultants, one will do that research, but also like myself, who's come from Europe and been able to sort of transfer here through my consulting job, there's a lot of different influences and opinions that are gathered in the consulting firm. So it's been one of the main, I think, talent attraction professions in Australia. Obviously, the last right. two years with COVID, the market has been relatively closed. But the first thing that will come back is probably overseas consultants to help out organizations with different point of views of what works in other parts of the world where maybe that digital innovation has taken a step forward and Australia can learn from. So I think it's good to get a lot of outside in perspectives to organizations and have a lot of different point of views so that organizations can learn from that and really shape where they think they can fit understanding their legacy as well. How long have you been in Australia? 
I've been almost seven and a bit years, so. Um, okay, right. I was going to say, so, I mean, it might be, you might be here a bit longer than things might have moved on a little bit, but I was going to ask, what's your key observation about how the Australian market operates versus your exposure in Europe, or at least when you first came here, was it poles apart, and how would you define that? I think the stains on the topic of digital transformation, I think because the previous recessions after the global financial crisis was not as bad in Australia. There was less of a burning platform for faster transformation. Like in the early days of my career, like I started being a consultant in the middle of the global financial crisis. And that was such a a push for organizations to really adopt digital as a way to optimize, become more effective and efficient in the way they run their businesses. So that burning platform or that opportunity space was less, I think, pronounced here in Australia. I think now COVID has accelerated all of that with all of us moving from home, having to shop online, do all these things online. I think it's created that that burning platform where I think, again, where I think Tightrope will be very well placed for organizations who have seen the opportunity very clearly now during COVID and want to want to do it properly because I think a lot of organizations sort of rushed to catch up over the last 12 mm. months, but there will be some growing pains or there will be an opportunity now to sort of rethink, take a step back and, and do this properly. We talked earlier about Tightrope blending the best of consulting and agency models. We've talked a lot about consulting. What are you pulling from in the agency world that's relevant for Tightrope? So where's that blend coming from on the agency side as opposed to? I think agency and consulting have this, this sort of nice flow where normally consulting identifies the opportunity, shows a direction, and then agency comes in to sort of help implement in the way that it's about making connections to customers, delivering on experiences, helping develop new product propositions and yeah, doing the media work to connect to those customers and, and take that feedback back into the organization. I think Tightrope wants to sort of bring those two a bit together and, and go from strategy, but also into the design of those experiences, the design of, of those product iterations that can get you closer and more accurately aligned to the needs and wants of your customers. So the capabilities we sort of have overlapping, I think, are more sort of the design capability, a bit of the creative that is typically seen in the agencies, marketing agencies, digital agencies, to really develop propositions that will wow customers that are seamless, that are the language that sort of agency uses, right? To really deliver that improved customer experience, connecting the business with its customers through omni-channel experiences that are well aligned to the strategic goals. So we will set the strategy and then we will help organizations define what is needed to get there and help them on that journey by defining the experience, by doing research on customer behavior, needs and wants, and take that back into the strategy analysis to make sure it's it's 100% aligned to the expectations, but still profitable and valuable for the organization. And so, you know, you talked earlier about, just to clarify, you talked earlier about sort of having studio capability. So you will do some executional stuff down on the ground? Yeah, so the executional stuff is, as I mentioned before, it will be more like prototyping, concept design. So if I make it really concrete, if there's a retailer that's more brick and mortar today, but they want to seriously push into the digital channel to sell more products online, we will mock up what that portal or that website or that experience could be like from a digital perspective. How would a customer navigate from potentially coming into store, exploring the products, then going online, comparing, buying, so mapping out that whole experience, but also doing a prototype of what could that website or that e-commerce site look like. Again, that then can be handed off to an agency to actually go and build that on the technology that sits underneath that. 
And so in terms of where and how Tightrope fits in the broader Ryancap portfolio, we, we mentioned Shadowboxer earlier. Is there overlap and competitive tension with Shadowboxers or are you complementary? And where does all that sit with those two firms and the broader portfolio, Sten? Yeah, so I'll start with Ryan Cap because it's a bit easier. I think within that portfolio, you obviously have rival media, which is mainly focused at media buying and execution of, of media strategies. And then Foxcatcher, who do a lot of sort of data and tech work into programmatic media buying as well. So they are in their day in, day out, helping clients connect with their customers, right? Like they are putting advertising and campaigns in front of customers to attract them and to connect them to brands. So there's a lot of insights from that on what works, what doesn't work. And it's an opportunity for us as a group to expand on the value that we bring for these brands. So where today they might see us mainly as a media partner or a marketing partner, we can actually become a strategic partner. And when we see opportunities for them to play a different role in the market that they're in, or we see growth opportunities, we can have that conversation and, and help the CMO talk to the CEO about opportunities that they see or go straight to the CEO and almost have a conversation, a broader one is how can we have deliver more value? We're executing on your current strategy but we see opportunities out there in the market and help them with the next horizon of their strategy. With Shadowboxer, it's a bit of a different story because they, they have a very similar set of capability, but a very different customer segment that they want to target. So Shadowboxer is becoming more and more deliberate on the focus on the ventures. So helping startups scale and helping the venture arms of the larger corporations take ideas and develop them into propositions that are in market. So the team at Shadowboxer have strategy capability, they have digital capability, but they also have tech and data capability and they can deliver technologies for you to launch a new e-commerce platform into the market or to develop a platform, let's say a new app or something like that. They can do that end-to-end -end from ID to concept design to putting it into market. So for us at Tightrope at the start, it's been a great partnership because it's given us a bit of access to capability. And at the same time, it's given Shadowboxer that focus. So any conversations that are more with incumbent businesses or those large scale ones are getting navigated into the tightrope funnel. And we work together day in, day out to make sure that those those customers get. So you're getting business from Shadow and the rest of the portfolio and vice versa. That's happening already, is it? Yeah, that's happening already. I think that was a, one of the key differentiators for us to scale quickly and be able to service clients from day one while we're still building the team as well. We can leverage all the capability in Shadowboxer and at the same time, I'm helping out the team with certain pitches and with certain pieces of work. Over time, it'll only get more clear on who does what, but it's a great way for not just us, but also the people in both organizations to be able to work across the two domains. So we'll do some resource sharing both to fill capacity, but also to have access to the right capabilities for every client. So the focus is on client outcomes again, like what does a client need? And it will be pulled together from across the teams in a collaborative way, fully transparent to the client that Shadowboxer focuses on this, Tightrope focuses on that, so that the client gets the best outcome in every engagement. You've clearly started to work on some projects. What sort of work are they and who are they? Stan, I'm sure you're going to tell me all your clients and what you're mm -hmm. doing right now in great detail, but a sense on, on what sort of project uh, or the scope of the work you're working on. Yeah, so I think it's been really good to validate the expectation that we had on the opportunity space. So we are getting work from both sides of customer spectrum, as I sort of described earlier. So those more legacy businesses who really want to 
accelerate their digital transformation and and build up those digital capabilities to help them grow. And then at the same time, also helping scale and grow those digital native businesses. So my the current program that we're almost wrapping up is to help a platform, a software provider, develop his sort of next three to five year strategy view of how the product needs to change, how their experience and their value proposition could be tweaked slightly to target a bigger market with their services. At the same time, sort of the, the legacy work, it's very much in line with, with what I said before. It's organizations that are well-established, very well-known brands in the market that just haven't really nailed that digital experience. So they have stores or branches, but they don't quite have figured out how they want to position digital in the way they sell and interact with their customers. So we're helping them to sort of navigate that. The projects, they're coming sort of both organically from the Shadowboxer and Ryan Cap connections, both from the individuals in the team, but the clients that work across the, the different domains. And then we've won sort of new work where we've just been able to get introduced and pitch our sort of capability and, and we've been able to win work independently as well. Well, where are you, uh, where is Tightrope pulling your talent and capabilities from? Because clearly, you know, you're there, but you've got a team and you've got more team coming, I assume. Where are they coming from? What sort of areas? Yeah, so our first push, because as I mentioned, we are able to collaborate with Shadowboxer, has been really to get capability, that is the strategy capability, management consulting capability, and a bit of the design capability. And most of those have come sort of through the through my consulting network from tier one consultancies. It's people who, like me, are attracted about the different value proposition, right, of working with slightly smaller businesses, doing high value, high impact work, and in a different sort of way of working. Because as I mentioned before, consulting, typically, you charge out consultants full-time to a client for a couple of weeks or months. We work more in sort of the digital agency way of bringing clients to us, working with them, but also doing multiple engagement at the same time. So people have that a bit more variety in the work they do. They're not stuck on a single client for, for six months or something like that. It's it's an attractive proposition. It was one to me, and I find that it's very attractive for people who are probably at the point where they would opt out. Consulting is quite demanding on, on your lifestyle, and there's a few natural sort of drop-off points after people who realize it's not really for them two, three years in. People who are thinking about combining work with a family and find that pressure is a bit too much or it's hard to combine, do it the way you want to do. I think we want to offer a slightly different value proposition that is a bit more inclusive and diverse and allows for a bit more flexibility in how we bring a team together. To sort of start wrapping this up, um, in terms of looking out for next year, 2022, what are your big watch outs? What's on your radar that is relevant for you, but also what companies should be looking out for in, in your view for 2022? Yeah, so I think it's really almost taking the momentum that COVID has created for that digital transformation and really powering on with that. I think a lot of organizations have been forced down the path. I think now it's a, an opportunity to take stock, analyze where they've gotten to and bring together the strategy and the capabilities required to do it at scale in a sustainable way, in a way that customers will love because customers will have a choice again. Like now, Customers were forced down the online route and we've dealt with some pretty poor experience for some brands. So there's still a lot of catching up to do for some of these more legacy players. Now they do realize it now that they've got to step up, right? Yes. And it's complex. It takes time. There's no judgment on the companies. It's just something that it takes time. It needs thought and effort from an organization. So I think it's just, that's going to continue in my opinion, like a big push for digital transformation. 
at the same time, I think we've seen some very big success stories coming out of the startup world of businesses really being able to scale, a lot more VC funding available to Australian startups. So I do see that segment also growing quite significantly. That segment of fast growing businesses that now they've nailed what their initial value proposition was. They've got a great product or a great service. Um, they've put together a founding team. With, they've grown to 50 people and more. Now they need to look at the next horizon of growth and how they're going to set themselves up. So I think it'll be a very interesting year next year with hopefully COVID mostly behind us to again, get in front of those businesses and, and interact and see how we can help them in developing a sustainable growth strategy and helping them build up teams that are usually remote all over the world in new ways of working where I think traditional consulting won't have the answers because it's not done successfully before. This is a very new way of working. And I think we're ideally positioned being mostly all digital leaders and digital natives who work in the same way as these sort of scale-ups do to help them shape that strategy. In a year or two years' time, what is Tightrope got a team of what? What's your ideal? If you could wave the magic wand, where would you be in two years' time? Yeah, so I think the strategy is pretty well defined for ourselves. Obviously, we'll adapt and adjust as we progress, but we don't want to become a 200-man team and, and really start competing with the, the mid-tier or bigger companies. I think we, we do want to remain a boutique consultancy that's focused on the niche that we want to be really known for. So ideally, I think we'd, we'd grow the capabilities, so across strategy, design, some data and tech strategy capabilities. So I think the team would probably evolve to 25, 35 in the next two years. That gives us, I think, the capacity to work across a number of clients at the same time across the whole of Australia as well. I think obviously with Ryan Cap, they already have a presence in Brisbane. They are very close to opening up in Sydney. That gives us access to those markets. We'll hire in those areas as well. The new model is remote, so I think, or hybrid at least. So we will bring together the right people for the right clients to be able to do great work. I think the Australian market is quite dynamic as well. So I'm already having conversations to bring in temporary talent as well from the contracting space to be able to scale, because obviously we want to do it in a clever way and not get ahead of ourselves. So through Ryancap and through Shadowboxer, we're a very well-funded organization. We've got a professional setup. We've got a good strategy, but we will grow in an organic way mainly. And yeah, we'll grow through the successes that we've, we've started delivering now and that will fund our growth. So I'm very confident that by the end of the year, we'll be 10 plus, uh, or by the end of the fiscal year, we'll be 10 plus people. And in yeah, in a year and a half, two years, yeah, more than double that. Well, I look forward, you know, if I'm allowed to, seeing some of the work, probably won't be able to see it, but certainly see the growth in the business, which is not ambitious. It's more strategic. You say you don't want to be massive. So yeah, interesting. Sten, I look forward to seeing what happens in the next 12 months for Tightrope and the broader Ryancap business. Uh, we watch with interest. Thanks for joining. Thanks a lot, Paul. Thanks for your time. This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 audio edition to listen for free. Listener.